Welcome to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. I am the host of the show. The tagline of the show is live right in the real world. Well, I will show you the real world, both visible and invisible. And you should be the Berean and decide how to live your life. And although it wasn't really planned, I think that's a perfect segue to what this particular show is all about. I'm going to be showing you four videos. The last one is a little bit long, folks. I'm going to play three short videos, actually in part. I won't even play the full ones, but the last one is 39 minutes. I will urge you to watch until the very end to get the picture. I'm going to be giving some commentary in between. I will try to keep it short and to the point so this show does not go too long. But if you've been following this show for a while, um, I have put forth a couple, really two different hypothetical timelines that I believe we're in. Now, what I believe does not make it fact. I want to be perfectly clear but I watch world events very closely. I've been studying the Bible intently. And this particular show, uh, there, I had some help from someone in Telegram who has been actually giving me some really good stuff lately. And there's two of the videos came from this person. I don't have permission. I don't, I should have asked, but uh, to give out the name. But it was funny because it was yesterday morning and the Lord put basically these four videos together for me. And they really support one of the timelines that I have been putting forth for end times. And it will portray a scenario that is worth considering. And you know, there's going to be a lot of evidence in these clips, obviously. But some of you might think, well, why do you hypothesize about the end times and which way things might go and this and that? And I want to give you a very straight and direct answer. And if you don't agree with this answer, just tune out and here. Um in my opinion, we are going into the last days. Every box is checked. We're, uh, could it be another 100 years? Sure. But the deception is great. Uh, the deception in the church is great. The deception that is going on in all levels of society and every aspect of society is great right now. And that adds a lot of confusion. Now, I am a logical thinker. I'm a deep thinker. And I would like to think that I have a, you know, pretty good, uh, a satisfactory at best uh, level of intelligence. And it is my thoughts that if we are going into the end days and the Lord has told us what is to come, and we know the, the Bible will be fulfilled. So we know certain things will happen. But how do we get there is a very 
interesting question and no one knows for sure the way things will unfold. God has told us how things will come about, but he hasn't revealed his complete hand because obviously he doesn't want the fallen angels to know and he's going to just completely usurp whatever they plan. But it is my estimation that if we have a limited number of days, years, and God has given us this revelation for a reason, we have a limited amount of time to make specific moves in our lives. And if you're like me and you have a limited resource or whatever, you we don't want to make mistakes, so we must consider all possibilities as we chart out what we're going to do um, to help protect our loved ones and everything else. And don't get me wrong, I trust in God in all things because I'm never going to be perfectly prepared. I'm not even trying to be perfectly prepared, but I want to be able to serve the Lord in the greatest capacity possible going into these days and to serve him and to serve him. I want to be able to make specific moves in my life so that I'm able to do that. There's a reason he gave revelation. This is my thoughts. So today is going to be a very interesting scenario for you to consider. And, uh, you know, I, I expect this show will be about one hour and a half in total length. But for some of you, it might just reside with your spirit. I, th I think it will. And I don't really believe many people have put together this information or this combination of information in this way. Um, as we go through the videos, I will give some commentary and in particularly in the last video, there are some key moments, and I will highlight them to you for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I I just think you may find some rest in this, and you may know a little bit of the what's going on in my alleged head. <laughs> hey, speaking of what's going on in my alleged head. Uh, I'm recording this on Thursday, the 31st of August, and September 1st, uh, Friday morning, I usually do a Podbean Live at 9 a.m. Eastern, and just like yesterday uh, morning, this show fell into place for me. Uh, the show for tomorrow has really kind of fallen into place, and it will be like this one, in many ways, the uh, subject will be Trump and Tucker. And I will formulate some hypothesis and give you some evidences and, uh, and go over a couple different scenarios. Because with any given circumstances, there's really only a couple ways that logically will play out. And again, if we want to be prepared that is something that we should pay attention to and at least have the discussion. Um, finally, before I get in the first video, um, 
talking about preparing, one of the things that I think is one of the most important things you can do is go to empshield.com. When there is an EMP type of event, if you have no power and even your generators don't work, your electronics, your communications are out, um, you can protect a lot of your vital systems in your home for just a little bit of money, folks. Uh, it could help carry you through. It could help your, you know, help your generator stay intact, help power your house, or to me, most importantly, keep my vehicle running as long as I have gas and I will be able to go and uh, meet with the rest of my family and loved ones. We don't know when it's going to happen. Things are ramping up and certainly with the weather stuff that's going on right now, we know that these events are at play. Go to empshield.com and use coupon code ROR to get a discount. And they actually have a second discount and you can apply both of them right now. It's a good time to go. And also, many people have been asking me about the mushrooms. Look, my dog is acting three years younger and that's within a month. Now, I have started taking the mushrooms as well. And no, they're not magic mushrooms. Uh, go to ror.petclub247.com to get the information. But I'll just give you some of my observations on personally taking them. Um, I've had to start a new habit of taking uh, new pills, and I haven't taken them consistently every day. I will tell you, the very first day I took it, I had a bit of an ominous reaction and I almost felt like a cloud coming over my eyes for a little bit. And it was, it took me by surprise. Now, no one else has reported this. I'm just telling you what I reported. Maybe it was something else happening in my body at the time, but I have noticed more clarity and more focus in my thinking. Um, if you're wondering about my dosage, I'm taking two in the morning of the clarity. I'm not doing the other ones yet. I want to test. I want to do kind of an independent study. I want to test them individually and see what the effects are. So I am experiencing greater focus. Maybe you're even noticing that in my speech and how I'm putting my shows together, uh, but it's worthwhile and you got to love your little fur babies too. And, uh, and really that's what it, why they call it pet club. Uh, ror.petclub247.com. And we did a show a few weeks ago on it that gave you a lot of detailed information. You might even want to watch that again. It is worthwhile. So having said that, I'm going to go to my first clip. Uh, this is for fairly recent, I think in about a year ago. And in no way am I endorsing the author that is presenting the information, although I'm not saying I disagree with the information entirely. Uh, the person that I'm going to be featuring is Jonathan Kahn. Most of you are familiar with him. Uh, I want to say up front that I actually did a show exposing him. You have not seen it because the file became corrupted and I just took it as maybe it was God's time and not showing it. But I have what I feel is definitive proof that he is 
operating on the light side of the system, if not in the synagogue of Satan. And that is my opinion. I believe I can prove it. Perhaps the Lord will release me uh, in near the future to show you, but I'll just go on to say one thing. This clip is him promoting his book, The Oracle, and just look up the definition of the word, the oracle. <laughs> and I think it tells you a great deal. But the information in this video is important. You may have heard it before, but listen to it in the context of all of the information I'm going to present to you today. So without further ado, let me add this to the stream. And this one is going to be about five minutes long, and I'll see you on the other side of it. Donald Trump. And not that he was reading Leviticus. <laughs> and, and it's not that he, he was putting it together. But that makes it all the more amazing. Yeah. Because nobody's trying to put it together except the hand of God. Yeah. You know, it's not about Donald Trump. It's about God. And God is in charge, as you said, of kings, of all the kings and all that. So one of the reasons why Donald Trump came to power was so, so that prophecy could be fulfilled. My goodness. And he, so, he comes, so, so he does it. He issues the Jerusalem Declaration, first time in modern times that any world power has ever recognized Jerusalem, first time since ancient times. That's how big it is. For, and now there's a whole mystery that links him to an ancient king, which I will not get into, that, that's in there, but I'm going to get into some other, another mystery. But that, that he's following the mystery of an ancient king. His words... Is that in the book? It's in the book. Yeah, it's in the book. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's following the actions, the words, even the declaration he gave is following it. But let me tell you a very cool thing. Uh, we, we looked at the last Jubilee with Rabbi Horn. You know, and he... Sounds right. Okay. Um, what does Trump mean? The trumpet. The trumpet. So the... what? It means he who blows the trumpet or the trumpet. So look at this. God has the, when does he come to power? The year of Jubilee, 2017. God puts the trumpet in power for the year of Jubilee. So, so in other words, he had to be elected when he was, which is 2000, at the end of 2016. He's elected so he could start the year. What does the Jubilee say? Mystery says, the trumpet shall begin to sound. He begins to sound in January. He hasn't stopped sounding since. <laughs> and it says the trumpet shall sound throughout the land now now again this is a name he's born with this is this yeah. is god's sovereignty and so now so the trumpet sounds and what does it say when the trumpet sounds the land the returns to its original owner so what he sounded within about 30 days left of the jubilee and the land returned was given the legal right i mean god yeah. now now let me let me Oh, and something else. Okay. Um, that's not. There is actually. I look. There's actually a scripture that appointed for the day he was born, and he was born on Friday, which is a Sabbath. There's a scripture. All, it was proclaimed all around the world, and and the scripture, you know. So here now get now. Let's put it together. You know, the trump, you know, the, the trump has sounded. The the trump is is now brought forth into the world. Um, the scripture was the only scripture in the Bible that speaks of the bringing forth of the trump, the trumpet. God says you will form 
from the trumpet to be ready to sound at the appointed time. Wow. So here he is. He's brought into the world, the trump, and his life is waiting for the jubilee to come to power. Mm. And it's not that again, not that he knows it. But now let me tell you one more from the fifth door, and then we'll then it, the the oracle goes into the mysteries of the future what is yet to come where are we but i'll give you one more link this and that is this there's a mystery in the bible of 70 years you know the jewish people were in exile 70 years in babylon the bible says at the end of the 70 years the king issues a, a decree which actually is recognizes jerusalem we all we know about that the king cyrus back then okay he, so at the end of 70 years it says after 70 years the king issues the decree. Okay. Now, therefore, since Trump issued the decree, and he's the only other one in history, really, uh, that matches the aged king, could it have come at the end of, a, of any kind of period of 70 years that's important in some way? Go back 70 years from 2017, and it brings you to the year 1947. Wow. Israel is voted into existence. That, and by the way, Donald Trump, when he came to power, how old was he? 70 years. Everything's 70. Everything. <laughs> and, and so, and so, so, but now here's, the, here's what I saw. So it goes even deeper. I, I found the date, like the date, the Hebrew date when Israel was voted into the world. Okay, there's a Hebrew date. If you count now 70 years, 70 years, to the same Hebrew date, and it says, it says after that, so you count to the next day, it brings you to, it's Kislev 18, 2017. The date in our calendar is December 6th. That's the end of the 70 years. That's the after Donald Trump issued the declaration on December 6th, the exact oh day Lord. that ended the 70 years. My goodness. Wow. He wow. probably didn't read that, that part either. Uh, no, oh. he didn't read that part. <laughs> I, I know that, Isn't yeah, there are people so who, who try to my apologies for that buffering. You know, I actually prayed for the technology and everything else, but uh, perhaps this episode is going to be very revealing and we're getting some opposition. Look, I don't know. I'm just saying perhaps. The next clip I want to play for you is from the great uh, what do you call it? The uh, reawakening tour with Clay Clark, and it happened just last week in uh, Las Vegas. And this speaker is Wayne Allen Root. And what is interesting about this clip is, well, I'm just going to let him speak for for himself. This clip is only about one minute long that I will be playing. So I'll be back to you in just a moment. I was the guy who had the primetime show on Newsmax TV in 2020 when someone called, a caller called in live on the air and said, I know that you're Jewish, Wayne, and I know that the Jewish people don't like Trump and they vote Democrat. And I know that you are a great Jew who took Christ as your savior, which I did. And he said, and he said, why do the Jewish people vote Democrat and why do they not like Trump? And live on the air with no script, no teleprompter, I just gave him my best answer off the top of my head. I said, listen, I don't know about the Jews of America, but in Israel, 
Trump is beloved. They're naming train stations after him. They're naming towns after him. They're naming soccer teams after him. I, I said in Israel, he's like the king of the Jews. That was me. The next morning, Trump tweeted out to 60 million people, thank you, Wayne Root, for naming me the king of the Jews. And he walked out, he walked outside the White House, looked up at the sky in front of the entire liberal media, and said, Wayne Root says I'm the king of the Jews. I am the chosen one. Now, now Wayne Root, that's an interesting dig on its own but I'm not going to go too deep into that. But I will say the events that he just claimed did happen. Trump did tweet that out, and he did go outside, look up to the sky, and say, I am the chosen one. However, for balance, when he came out and said, I am the chosen one, he drove the liberal media bonkers with it, but also... It really did come out as tongue-in-cheek, not like he was taking it seriously. Uh, but he was obviously, look, he's a master at manipulating the media, and I really think it was a stunt on Trump's behalf, not him claiming to be the chosen one in any way. Now, this next one has been rumors that have been floating around for a long time, I'm going to play about uh, two, min two to three minutes of this particular clip, and I'm going to have some very important comments at the uh, end of it. So without further ado, just watch this, and I'll get back to you in a couple minutes. Trump converted to Judaism two years ago and joined... Haban Lubavitch Synagogue in New York City, according to a high-level White House official. Mr. Goldberg says the story has allegedly been held by CNN's editors for months, but is due to be released within the next few days. David Elias Goldberg, a fellow at the Jewish Center of Anti-Semitic Study, has also interviewed the White House source. According to the source, Trump was pushed by his daughter Ivanka and son-in-law Jared Kushner to join the faith. At first, Trump resisted, stating it would threaten his base of evangelical Christian voters. However, he had a change of heart and officially converted in early 2017. The ceremony was held in private and closely guarded for nearly two years. It appears the White House is prepared to slowly release this information, and by summer, it is expected Trump will fully address his new faith in an evening televised news conference. He is clearly the most pro-Israel president in the history of America. He's given Israel every single thing that they've wanted, and he's about to give them war with Iran. Okay. And so has he converted? So uh, I want to show you one more article. This is, uh, let me see if I can. This is the Times of Israel. Yeah, the Times of Israel. This was uh, published March 22nd, 2019. This is the Times of Israel. Trump, the first Jewish president of the United States. Now, that's not us saying that. That's 
times of Israel, times of what nation? Israel. So the people in Israel, that's an English-speaking newspaper in Israel, and that's what they read, that Donald Trump is the first Jewish president of the United States. And how did they qualify that, Rick? They gave a list of things that he did for Israel. First of all, of course, moving the embassy to Jerusalem. That's right. That was a big deal. Then recognizing Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. He's the first sitting U.S. president to visit the Western Wall. Uh, they gave him credit for defeating ISIS. They gave him credit for rebuking the United Nations for when the U.N. criticized Israel. Uh, they, they credited him with closing the Palestinian office in Washington, D.C. And they said these things... What is one, two, three, four, five, six? These six things qualify Donald Trump to be named the first Jewish president of the United States. Now, that broadcast was from 2017. And obviously, a lot of things in that did not come true. He certainly did not start a war with Iran. And I would also say that he did not make the announcement of his conversion of faith. I have found no evidence that Donald Trump converted to Judaism. His daughter Ivanka with Jared, absolutely she did. But he, I have found no evidence. What I have found a lot of evidence of, and this has always been right in your face, is that the evangelical pastors that he has surrounded himself with, well, first of all, most of them are occultic, in my opinion, but they all have one thing in common. They practice and preach Christian Zionism, which essentially believes they need to help Jesus prepare for the end times. And if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed by God. Is there some truth in that? Yes. Uh, they use Esther, uh, the book of Esther, to really justify uh their position, and they mix-match a lot of things. The fact is, in my opinion, uh, well, it's not my opinion, and I know Jesus does not need my help in that. I want to serve God, but he doesn't need my help to bring on the end times. So um, I would say that is debunked, but it is in a lot of people's psycho psychological, it's, it's filed away that, uh, you know, He's a friend of the Jew, he, and, and he is. And by the way, I think we should uh, protect our allies and things like that and, and those historical sites by all means. Um, and I'm not being a uh, neocon by saying that. I, I think it would be a shame. Um, but God's will be done, and that's what's most important. And, you know, the pro prophecies will play out. So we have the figure of Trump with Jonathan Kahn, uh, and he he said, you know, Trump was 70, but actually when he came into power, he was 70 uh, years, seven months, and seven days, which is even more incredible. There's a lot of different things that are really lining up. Um, so we do know God has his hand in this because it isn't the devil who says you'll be born born on this day or whatever. So God's hand is in this and God's word will be fulfilled. Um, 
And then we have the chosen one, of course, and that has stuck in a lot of people's. You have to remember, this is a battle for your mind, for the minds of everyone. Because when you get someone's mind, you get their will. Okay? Um, and you haven't seen the whole point of this broadcast yet. So I hope you're going to listen carefully to this next presentation. As I said, this is a bit long. There is repetition in this, which is a little bit frustrating to me, but it's done for a reason to make sure you don't miss some of the key points. Uh, I will be stopping it and interjecting at various points just to, uh, for those listening on audio to know who is talking, if it has some relevance. Um, the audio will carry the uh, entire story, of course, but also to point out a couple very key elements of this, which will make the point of this entire video and things that I think you really should consider when we look at biblical timelines and things that you should be ready for. So without further ado, let me play you this video. I apologize. I have to do it from Telegram, but it was, uh, I could not find the original source of it. Joel chapter 1 verse 7, God refers to the nation of Israel as his fig tree. For all intents and purposes, the fig tree was going to go dormant. And for 2,000 years, the Jews would be separated from their land. The fig tree would be dormant, but Jesus said there would be a generation that would see the signs of life on the fig tree slash Israel. And the generation that saw that would be the one that would not pass away. We call it God's major prophetic time clock. Israel has come back into world history as God said it would. Well, the end times technically is a reference to everything from the day of Pentecost uh, all the way to the return of Christ. So in one sense, we're already in the last days. Are we in the last of the last days? That's the big question. But when the United States stands with Israel, the chances of peace really rise and rises exponentially. That's what will happen when Donald Trump is president of the United States. We will move the American embassy to the eternal capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem. And we will send a clear signal that there is no daylight between America and our most reliable ally, the State of Israel. Today is Donald Trump's first full day as the 45th president of the United States. But it was not all a celebration. More than 200 anti-Trump demonstrators were arrested during a day of protest in Washington. Some set fires or threw bricks into windows of businesses. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. My announcement today marks the beginning 
of a new approach to conflict between Israel and the Palestinians. That it is time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. This is a long overdue step to advance the peace process and to work towards a lasting agreement. This is a historic day. Jerusalem has been the capital of the Jewish people for 3,000 years. It's been the capital of Israel for nearly 70 years. It was here that our temple stood, our kings ruled, our prophets preached. Jerusalem has been the focus of our hopes, our dreams, our prayers for three millennia. From every corner of the earth, our people yearn to return to Jerusalem. This decision reflects the president's commitment to an ancient but enduring truth, to fulfilling his promises and to advancing peace. The president's decision is an important step towards peace, for there is no peace that doesn't include Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. the part that was just being spoken there in Hebrew was a rabbi speaking with Benjamin Netanyahu back in 1990. And the rabbi was urging Netanyahu to do more to bring the coming of the Messiah. That is the coming of the Jewish Messiah. Of course, they do not pay attention to the New Testament. They do not recognize Jesus as being the actual Messiah who has been here. Um, so they have a very different belief than us. Uh, their Messiah, an important point, in at least in my understanding from where I stand, having read the New Testament and believing in Jesus Christ and being filled with his Holy Spirit, the Messiah they are waiting for is going to be the king they have always waited for. And in my opinion, that will be the Antichrist. Now, I will just say this right up front here. Um, I do not believe that Trump is the Antichrist, but I do believe Trump has a role in the end time, and that is what you're going to see as we go through this. So I'll break back in when necessary. 
but for now, let's just continue with the actual presentation. This is worthwhile, folks. Stick through it. Is there a Messiah? In Judaism? In Judaism. Jews invented the Messiah. But it's not the same Messiah that most people think about. Okay. Because right? when Christians think of the Messiah, they think of someone who's divine. Yeah. They think of, you know, the end of days. What we have for the Messiah is a man, a king of this earth, who's going to bring peace among the nations in this world. And he will not be divine. He will not be divine is a man, a king of this earth, who's going to bring peace among the nations in this world. According to Jewish tradition, he has three things he's supposed to do. Number one, he's going to reconstitute the Jewish kingdom or the Jewish state. Number two, he's going to bring peace with the neighbors. And number three, he's going to rebuild that rebuild temple. The temple. Here we are. This is 2015. What are you going to do now? What is contemporary Jewish position on the temple? The Jews think of the world in terms of this dream that once existed in the world. It was taken away. The Jews want to bring back into the world. That is the reconstruction of the temple. The reconstruction of the temple as the, the, the crowning symbol of this era of justice and peace that we're supposed to be assisting to bring back into the world. Daniel 9.27, in the midst of the week, that seven-year period of time between the rapture and the second coming of Christ, there has to be a temple there. Jesus confirmed that, Matthew 24.15, when you see the abomination of desolation. Apostle Paul confirmed it, 2 Thessalonians 2.4, Antichrist walks into the temple, the abomination of desolation takes place. And in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 1, John is told to measure the space for the temple. So we have four proof texts, there will be a temple on the temple mount. At that point, when the Antichrist appears in the beginning of that seven-year tribulation period, he confirms a peace agreement. The Jewish people lay down their weapons. They think they're at peace. They think the Messiah has come. There's a coalition of nations coming in to the area of Israel to wipe them off the face of the earth. Well, Jesus Christ intercedes. And in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 45, it says that the Antichrist, after the Lord has given the victory to the Jewish people, the Antichrist usurps that victory and tells the Jewish people to put their temple up on the holy mountain of God there in the city of Jerusalem. At that point, they build a temple. The temple is built. It has to be up before the midway point of the tribulation, and it's going to be standing there. They restore the temple sacrifices and everything else. Everything has been prepared. They have the utensils. They have the men who've studied the priests duties. I met recently when I was in Israel with the man who was the chairman of the Sanhedrin, the 70 wise Jewish scholars that operate the temple. He said he has his garment hanging in his closet in his home ready to put on and report to the temple mount. So all the preparations have been made.
what we've got here is this new Sanhedrin and the dedication of the third temple altar which is unbelievable to see. We thought this was fake news, friends. We didn't realize this was even real news. We thought it was one of those weird articles on the internet, but it turns out 10.30 a.m. this morning in, in Jerusalem, we actually have a dedication uh, ritual for the altar, sacrificial altar of the third temple, the day after Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. We have this dedication ceremony by the new Sanhedrin. Building the third temple, uh, everybody, then everybody will prosper because this is what the temple is for, <laughs> for the whole world. So you think that there could be some union between all the religions as Absolutely. part of Absolutely. We already have unity, but everybody's afraid from the terrorists. So this is our job to unify everybody to worship the only true living God uh, in the third temple with all the nations, all the nations that will worship God. You think we're in the time it's almost here, the Third Temple? Yes, absolutely. Um, many, many um, Muslims, I'm talking about the high, um, uh, let's say, uh, rank or hierarchy in the Muslim uh, religious came to us and asked us, please build a temple. Why? Because the temple is for everybody, is for the whole nations to prosper and thrive. So they came to us and asked, please build a temple. Now, the problem is with the radicals, the new world um, without any, let's say, negative and forbidden feelings, like hatred, like uh, revenge, like it will be only loving, appreciation, uh, honoring. So this will be a, a new world, but not all order. It will be a new world, uh, holistic, uh, the holistic way, the, the way God wants it. So one world religion, and by the way, I've got tape of Pence and Pompeo really pushing the one world religion. But one world religion is a big part of this and how it all comes together. And notice how they say that there will be a treaty. There will be peace and safety. Again, the Bible says when, that, when those words are spoken, watch out because it's starting but the new world will be full of love where there's no criticism or anything like that pay attention but this isn't the main focus of this and we're coming up to it pretty quick and then you'll hear the evidence play out back to the show Hardline religious group Matei Irgunei Hamidash, or headquarters of the temple organizations, has a mission to rebuild a Jewish house of worship on Jerusalem's Temple Mount. The Jewish group, however, maintains that the location is key for fulfilling biblical prophecies. It is a new start of the redemption, and we hope that next year or even before will be we will be on the temple mount the law will come from here all the 70 nations they will have a seat in the court and the law will be the law of the bible under the watch of high security the sheep is brought to a secluded area we're on a another milestone 
in the process of the return of the Jewish people to their homeland. Young men playing the role of priests dress in biblical-looking clothes. It's now time to begin. Everyone gathers to pray as the priests reenact ancient traditions from the Bible. The event that takes place here is not an event in itself. It's a practice. It's a training. And uh, people are coming here to learn, to understand. Out of the eye of the public, the sheep is slaughtered. Its blood is brought out for ritual use. And maybe this year, in four days later, the representative of the groups of the Israelites will come with their lamp to the yards of their temple. We built a kosher altar and start all the ritual of uh, Pesach lamps. Himself will be the judge. The Mashiach, the, the Mashiach will be the judge, and not for what he sees, and not for what he hears, but what he smells. You believe the Mashiach Ben David is, is coming is the, to, Mashiach to this temple? Mashiach Ben David is very soon, and he is a Jew, and it is, he is not Jesus. And uh, if the Christians want to hold it, they can hold it. But we will never change our mind. We prefer to go back to Auschwitz and not to change our religion. This is the main thing. We are loyal. One of the very first things when Trump was elected, the uh, the rabbis in Israel calling on him and Putin to use their international clout to do what? To rebuild the temple. Don't think this can't happen. I think impetus is on our side right now. I think we're moving towards a moment. And the rabbis over there, some of what the mystical rabbis are saying is very, very curious right now. This one, Trump upset victory, divinely sent to begin messianic pro uh, process, say Israeli rabbis, right? <laughs> there have been at least a dozen Jewish rabbis that have said the Messiah is on earth now. He's been identified. He is soon going to make himself known. Well, some, some key things have to happen for the messianic figure in, Jewish, in the Jewish mindset. For the Messiah to arrive, you can't think of him like we think of Messiah. We think of Messiah after the model of Jesus. He's the son of God, divine birth, all of that. That's not the way the Jews look at the Messiah. They're looking for a king. They're looking for a political leader. As a matter of fact, Messiah to them means the anointed one. And it goes back to the ancient days when they would anoint a king and recognize him as this is the man that God sent. And what they're looking for is several things. First of all, they're looking for uh, somebody in, in a political figure who can lead decisive battles in defense of Israel. This is why the only po politician on the face of the earth that was standing up and saying, if I'm elected president, I'm going to be the biggest friend that Israel's ever had. Yeah, yeah. We're going to undo the Iran deal, well, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and being a friend of Benjamin Netanyahu. Secondly, they're looking for, when the Messiah comes, uh, there will be an ingathering of Jews from around the world back into the Holy Land. That's why the rabbis, on the eve of his election, went on television and said, we need to call now Jews from around the world, come back to Jerusalem because the wow. Messiah is here, right? A growing number of Jews are returning to Israel. It's part of a fulfillment of prophecy spoken in the Bible. Earlier this year, immigrants from North America landed at Tel Aviv's Ben-Gurion International Airport to make Israel their home. Seeing Jewish people return to Israel is literally watching Bible prophecy unfold. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel all speak of the Jewish return to the land. Since 2014, there's been a 79% increase of inquiries about assistance to return to Israel. In the early morning, 130 Ukrainian Jews landed in Tel Aviv to begin a new life. Many see the moment when these new immigrants step onto the tarmac here at Ben-Gurion Airport as the time when the words of the Bible written thousands of years ago come to life. There has never been a people who have been exiled for so long who then return to their homeland, return to their language. And so there's the prophetic reality of this that's so huge that each one of these people, Isaiah saw, Jeremiah saw, they saw them, they saw this happening, and now we are here to witness it. We are here to be part of it. And there's another thing. Thirdly, they talk about when he arrives, he is going to reinstitute the temple service. So what was the second thing they did? They called on Trump and Putin to use their power to rebuild the temple wow. and to reinstitute the temple service. I'm not saying that they think he is the Messiah. What I actually think is that most of the rabbis there think he's John the Baptist and the Messiah is about to appear. He's the forerunner. He's the guy that's going to start the message in the wilderness and the Messiah is going to come in on his heels. And so we need the temple service. We need to get back into Israel, the Messiah. Now, why are they saying that? They have identified somebody. I mean, I there could be a few rabbis there that think he's the Messiah. The other third key is he has to be of the Davidic dynasty. He has to be of the Davidic bloodline. And there is an effort right now to go back through the European monarchy, cousins of uh, President Donald Trump, to show that his bloodline goes back to the Davidic dynasty. Now, why are these efforts underway? I'm just saying there's something very strange here that's going on, and everything I'm saying can be verified. Multiple news agencies, the Jerusalem Post, Breaking Israel News, they're all talking about this right now. So they too believe that we are in the end times. They too believe that the Messiah is about to appear. We would say the second coming is about to happen, but their Messiah is going to be a false Messiah. He's going to be the Antichrist. So there it is. Trump. The argument is that Trump is like a John the Baptist and a forerunner to the Antichrist rising. Now, I'm not going to go too much further on this. I'm going to let the video continue to make the points. And it's worth holding on to the end because it ends in a very good way. Uh, by the way, that was Tom Horn who was speaking, if you're listening on audio. And, you know, Tom Horn, I'm not sure uh, where I am on him, but he does have an incredible amount of knowledge. Uh, I think he's got some things wrong. Who hasn't? Uh, but he has some very good information and a very good understanding of things. Um, but that was one of the main point I wanted you to hear was that Trump is a forerunner, like a John the Baptist before the antichrist comes. And tomorrow on Podbean, if you tune into the live, I'm going to put in some pretty deep thoughts on this particular subject. I'm going to take it further. Um, uh, and I'm going to bring Tucker into it. How does that fit? 
<laughs> Wait and see. With God's permission, I'll be able to get that done. Uh, anyways, I'm going to continue this particular broadcast, and it's worth watching or listening to. Referring to Cyrus the Great as sort of a messiah for his decree to rebuild the Jerusalem temple. And many evangelists think that Trump is Cyrus. I'm just reading what they're saying on the screen. Before the 2016 presidential election, some evangelical Christians began comparing Donald Trump to King Cyrus, the biblical king who's credited with allowing Jews to return to Jerusalem from exile in the Babylonian Empire. The idea behind the comparison is that a non-believing leader can be used by God to enact policies that help advance the interest of believers, in this case, Christians and Jews. Let's talk a little bit more about the King Cyrus comparison, comparison because it's not just a small segment of evangelical Christians who are making this comparison. Prime Minister Netanyahu actually did the same thing recently, and in honoring Trump for declaring Jerusalem Israel's capital, Netanyahu likened him to Harry Truman, Lord Balfour, and Cyrus the Great. What do you make of all of this? You know, those of us lucky enough to visit Jerusalem know that we don't count in decades, we don't count in centuries, we count in millennia. You're swimming in history. And so when you see someone do something good for the Jewish people, you put them in historical context. And Harry Truman, after he recognized the state of Israel within 11 minutes of its founding in 1948, was thanked. And he said, I am Cyrus, because he was going back to the Persian king. And so it's not surprising that we would look at Donald Trump, say he did something good for the Jewish people, he did something good for the American people, he did something good for the world, and say, you're part of that historical chain. Are you serious? What you're looking at, they're very serious in Israel. That is a silver half shekel. And uh, it's in commemoration of President Donald Trump for recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. This this half shekel has King Cyrus in the background and President Trump in the forefront. And it is a unbelievable, it's the Cyrus Balfour Trump Declaration of 2018. This minted will be a half shekel made of silver. And this is what you have to pay. If you're going to the, uh, whenever the temple is built, every male that a, that go, comes to the temple is required to give a half shekel. That's the requirement you to dedicate the temple. Every time you go to visit the temple, you're to give a half shekel. So they are going ahead now minting a half shekel, putting this into uh, in preparation of the temple for its dedication. You know it's coming, folks. And they're very happy to announce that the Mikdash Educational Center just produced a new Cyrus Trump temple coin. This special coin was produced and minted for the 70 years of the independence of the state of Israel and to honor and praise President Donald Trump who promised, but not only promised, also fulfilled this promise. And next week we'll move the American embassy to Jerusalem, just like King Cyrus, 2,500 years ago said, he charged me to build a house in Jerusalem. Here again, President Trump is building a house in Jerusalem. The income from those, these donations are gonna be used for the rebuilding and education of the third temple. The temple belongs to everybody. 
to the Jewish nation and also to the whole world. So we're starting with the people of Israel, starting maybe with the Trump base, but I'm sure that maybe through Trump, everybody will understand not how Donald Trump is important, but how important Jerusalem and the temple is for the whole world. It was minted by the uh, Institute for Knowledge of the Temple, and it has a picture of King Cyrus in the background, who was very influential in the rebuilding of the temple, the second temple. It has President Trump in the foreground, and on the back, it has a picture of the temple itself. We hope that the declarations of both Cyrus and Trump will lead to the rebuilding of the third temple. When is the building? Very soon. <laughs> We've already started. Yeah? Yes. And when it's uh, due to be completed? That depends on how, how fast the workers work and how, how quickly we can collect the, the money from the treasury. Billion dollars. It's a huge step. It's not just a step. It's a huge step because it is a step that is bringing together the biblical uh, narrative, the narrative of uh, Esau and Yaakov, the two brothers that were split thousands of years ago are now being brought together again. And this is all part of the biblical narrative. We believe that this is this is the, a huge step to the recognition of Jerusalem, of Israel, and the rebuilding of our third temple. The ruling Likud party has no better friend than President Trump's administration. But I wanted to know why the president's actions were being linked to biblical prophecy. Here we have, after 70 years of the establishment of the state of the world, the strongest king of the world recognizing Jerusalem. I mean, it's the not The strongest my... king in the world being who? The strongest leader of the world. Today, his name is Donald Trump. So do you believe that the American embassy opening here almost exactly at the same time as the 70th anniversary of Israel's independence was prophesied? Do you believe that... It seems like that. Here we see a process step by step exactly as analyzed, prophesized by the prophets of the book. The classical Jewish uh, literature does not accept the notion of a second coming, and that is once the Messiah reveals himself, he will accomplish a designated mission of getting the Jews back to Israel, rebuilding the temple, and hopefully thank, uh, establishing world's peace. Now, Jesus, of course, was uh, crucified. Jesus was murdered before he completed any of those things, and because of that, uh, Christianity developed the idea of a second coming, that uh, Jesus will come back and complete the mission. Uh, as I say, as far as uh, normative Jewish theology is concerned, when the Messiah comes, he's going to get the job done and he's not going to die and then come back. Forging peace between Israelis and Palestinians may be the most difficult challenge of all. All prior administrations from President Lyndon Johnson have tried and bitterly failed. But I was not elected to do small things or shy away from big problems. It's been a long and very arduous process to arrive at this moment. On Sunday, I delivered to Prime Minister Netanyahu my vision for peace, prosperity, and a brighter future for Israelis and Palestinians a realistic two-state solution that resolves the risk of Palestinian statehood to Israel's security. Today, Israel has taken a giant step toward peace. It's a great plan for Israel. It's a great plan for peace. Frankly, Mr. President, 
given uh, all that you have already done for Israel, I'm not surprised. You have been the greatest friend that Israel has ever had in the White House. I think, and I say this objectively, that the American-Israeli alliance has never been stronger. It's stronger than ever before under your leadership. And I look forward to working with you and your team to advance our common interests, security, prosperity, and peace with Israel's neighbors and for the region. And we can do it with you. To give the Iranian people, the region, and the world the peace, security, and freedom they deserve. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Security, prosperity, and peace. Jews, Christians, and Muslims, more than half of the population of the earth, and nearly all the people of the Middle East claim Abraham as their forefather in faith. And so he is. As we gather at this historic conference, I believe on that foundation of that Abrahamic tradition, we can find a firm foundation for a brighter future for all the peoples and all the faiths of the Middle East. It's actually happening even as we speak. We need look no further than the old city of Jerusalem as an example of what could be true for the region as a whole. There we see the followers of the three great religions in constant contact with one another. We see each faith come to life in new and renewed ways every day. What we see there we can achieve and live all across the Middle East. That's the vision that President Trump has. And that's the hope and aspiration of peace-loving people in our nation and around the world. And to all who ever doubt whether peace could at last come to the Middle East, I think we would do well, I believe with all my heart. We can claim that blessing anew for all the people of this region and the world, for ourselves and our posterity, if we claim it with faith and we claim it together, I believe God will surely bless us with peace. Now, for those of you who are listening on Podbean, you cannot see, but this is actually peace and security in the Middle East is the backdrop behind Pence, Pompeo, uh, the administration, the Abrahamic Accord that's supposed to bring religion. So we see a one-world political system and a one-world religious system coming together. And wait till you hear my closing comments on this at, at the end of the video. Peace. So let us begin. Thank you. So you think that there could be some union between all the religions as Absolutely. part Absolutely. We already have unity, but everybody's afraid from the terrorists. So this is our job to 
unify everybody to worship the only true living God uh, in the third temple with all the nations, all the nations that will worship God. Well, today we usher in a new era of peace between Israel and the Arab world. I just came from an historic virtual conference between myself, President Donald Trump, and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed of the United Arab Emirates. Where they agreed to finalize a historical peace agreement. Everybody said this would be impossible. They will exchange embassies and ambassadors and begin cooperation across the board and on a broad range of areas, including tourism, education, healthcare, trade, and security. This is the greatest advancements toward peace between Israel and the Arab world in the last 26 years, and it marks the third formal peace between Israel and an Arab nation. This deal is a significant step towards building a more peaceful, secure, and prosperous Middle East. Uh, I believe there is a good chance we will soon see more Arab countries joining this expanding circle of peace. I want to thank President Trump for his critical help in brokering this historic accord. And I want to thank him for his revolutionary vision for peace, which is the most realistic and important formula for peace in the region. We are already discussing this with other nations, very powerful, very good nations and people that want to see peace in the Middle East. And things are happening that I can't talk about, but they're extremely positive. This is a future of peace, a future of security, and a future of prosperity. While people are saying that there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. It will be known as the Abraham Accord, and I'd like to ask our ambassador, David Friedman, to please uh, explain why we're doing uh, and calling it the Abraham Accord. David? Thank you, Mr. President, and congratulations to you on brokering this historic uh, peace agreement. Abraham, as uh, many of you know, was the father of all three uh, great faiths. Uh, he's referred to as Abraham in the Christian faith, Ibrahim in the Muslim faith, and Abraham in the Jewish faith. And uh, no person uh, better symbolizes uh, the potential for unity among all these three great faiths than Abraham. And that's why this accord has been given that name. It's a great, uh, great thing. I wanted it to be called the Donald J. Trump Accord, <laughs> but I didn't think the press would understand that. So I, I didn't do that. Many, many um, Muslims, I'm talking about the high um, uh, let's say, uh, rank or hierarchy in the Muslim uh, religious came to us and asked us, please build a temple. Why? Because the temple is for everybody, is for the whole nation to prosper and thrive. So they came to us and asked, please build a temple. Now, the problem is with the radicals, the new world um, without any, let's say, negative and forbidden feelings like hatred, like uh, revenge, like it will be only loving, appreciation, uh, honoring. So this will be a, a new world, but not all order. It will be a new world, uh, holistic, uh, the holistic way, the, the way God wants it. Muslims will be welcome uh, in Israel, and this will create a better interfaith exchange. So this is a tremendous a step forward for peace in the world. I guess the big thing people don't understand that about me. I actually 
I've gotten along. I remember when I was elected, they said the war will start with somebody within days. And I've kept this out of war. You look at North Korea, everybody said, including President Obama, that's the biggest problem. Everybody said you'd be at war. Well, we're not at war. You would have been at war if I wasn't elected. It was somebody else. Uh, now we're uh, we're doing very well in the Middle East. And I'll tell you what, it's been an incredible thing. But no, it was tense. But the relationship has become a very good one with between UAE and Israel and also with other countries, many other countries. And I think you'll be seeing some very exciting things, including ultimately with the Palestinians. I think that's going to be happening at some point because it makes a lot of sense for them to let it happen. And I'll say this and I can say it very publicly that if I win the election, I will have a deal made with Iran within 30 days. Excuse me. Somebody had to do it. I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. We are about to turn this planet into a paradise. Unimaginable. Only a few short weeks ago. Ten oasis regions where each delegate is given complete control over his respective area. True global community, the true world of peace. This marks the beginning of our seven years of peace, of seven years. This marks the beginning of the rise of the Antichrist. He will control ten kingdoms, which in turn will control the world. The Antichrist will sit in the temple of God and he will declare to the whole world that he is God. Upon each of you, I grant all the power and authority due to your new positions. You are now kings and queens in your own lands, bringing prosperity and plenty to your peoples. All in my name. Time is short, folks. Time is short. And ultimately, this is all prophecy. It's all what we've been told in the Bible by, by the Lord. You know, and the, the, all this prophecy is eventually leading to the revelation of Jesus Christ, who will return to this world, to the Mount of Olives, and rule as Messiah, as King of Kings, over the whole earth. And his kingdom will be now and forevermore. It's serious because it is a rejection of the Messiah. Um, you know, when Yeshua came and he walked on the earth during the Last Supper, he said that this is the blood of the new covenant. Yeah. We go to Jeremiah 31, 31, where the Lord said, I will make a new covenant with Israel and I will write my commands on their hearts. Yeah. And so just like in Exodus, when the Israelites were carrying around the tabernacle and the ark with the covenants inside, that tabernacle was made out of animal skin. And so in this new covenant, the Lord said he would take his commands and write them on our inward parts, our hearts. And so just like that tabernacle in the wilderness was made of animal flesh, now the tabernacle is our flesh and the ark is our hearts and the commands are written inside. And so it's very important that when we come to revelation of that, that we realize that because of all this, because of that blood that was poured out by Jesus, that's able to happen.
remember, folks, that Jesus is the final sacrifice. He's the sacrifice for our sins. This is not leading anywhere good to the Christians that think that this is. Um, it's leading to an abomination. Because Jesus is our sacrifice. We don't need anymore. And the, our body is the temple. But our body is the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. We don't need a temple made of stone. Although this is part of prophecy and leading to the return of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, King of Kings. But this isn't what we follow. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Holy One of Israel. He is Lord. Praise God, King of Kings, who died for our sins and rose again to defeat death. I pray that many Jewish people and many others across the world will not fall for this deception of the new age of Hellenized one world religion. And that many will turn to know the true Messiah. Please don't wait until it's too late. Prophecy is coming to pass. The hour is late. Praise God. All glory to him. All glory to him. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins, indeed. When you look at the evidence that has been presented in this video and you string the different pieces together, And one thing that really wasn't played up enough uh, in this presentation, just because of time, I didn't want it to be two hours, but when you look at who the evangelicals are, those Christian Zionists that I mentioned before, that Trump's, Trump had as his pastoral counsel, When you look at what they believe in, I don't know of any of them that are not involved with the NAR movement in some way. And when I did that mass deception series, it was just a real, it's a real turning point for you and I. I think it's God letting us know, letting us see it, re removing that veil from your eyes so you don't get fooled by this magic trick because it sounds Christian, it sounds good. But all these people are working towards a one-world religion. And it... Uh, certainly is a strong possibility that Trump is fulfilling that role of a type of John the Baptist. When you look at the Abrahamic Accord and by their own admission, exactly why they named it to bring faiths together and to bring peace and security. So what will happen if Donald Trump returns to office?
And I say if because I'm going to divulge some maybe deeper thinking on the subject tomorrow on my pod beam. If you're listening to this a month later or whatever, it will be the September 1st pod beam. And if this has captured your attention, I think it's going to get a little bit wild tomorrow. Anyways, I am listener supported. Uh, There's a number of ways you can support. Check the description. But most importantly, tell me what you think in the comments. And if you can, if you appreciated this video, uh, please hit the thumbs up. But in the meantime, remember to love your God. And your God should be Jesus. If not, you're a fool. The evidence is overwhelming. Love your God. Love your family. Love your neighbor as yourself. And make a difference in your community. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.